0: welcome 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 good morning good afternoon good evening and thank you guys once again for joining the 980s podcast hosted by yours truly kevin thompson founder and ceo of 90s capital group thank you guys for joining us as i always say subscribe to this channel as i always say go and get my book mlb to cfp live on apple books if you have any questions comments or concerns you can go to the website at www.90scapitalgroup.com www.90scapitalgroup, or send us an email at 980s at 9icapgroup.com Send your questions, comments, your concerns. As you know, we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. And you want to hear more about our podcast, more about our YouTube stations, podcast all around. You can go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora. The, the, the Nine Innings podcast is there. So subscribe to those channels because we have a special guest today, Nancy Davis of Quadratic. Capital Management. Today we're talking about volatility and inflation, the only two things that matter. Let's get it. We have Nancy Davis of Quadratic Capital Management. Nancy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So to give you guys a little background. Nancy Davis founded Quadratic Capital Management in 2013 and is the portfolio manager. in, in our lexicon, we call it the, the PM. That's just what we do in our business. But uh, for Quadratic Interest Rate Volatility and Inflation Hedge ETF, ticker IVOL, and the Quadratic Deflation ETF, ticker B N D D. So, before we go any further, uh, Miss Davis, I want to tell you. Can I call you Miss Davis, Nancy? Call me whatever you call me, Nancy. That's fine. (laughs) So, how did you come about founding this firm? Like, why? I mean, did did you just come up and say, you know what? I, I have an idea and I want to start my own company. How did this come about?
1: Well, I was very fortunate to spend almost a decade at Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a great training ground. I was uh, on the proprietary desk there. So we managed Goldman's own capital. This is pre uh, financial crisis when those kind yeah. of desks yeah. existed. And mm-hmm. I um, I have a like, kind of a different way of investing, uh, a different style. And so I just thought, you know, it's very unique there's a need for it in investors portfolios. And then kind of, I guess through that experience, um, decided that I wanted to start my own firm in 2013.
0: Well, congratulations. We know, that's a big step. I mean, starting your own firm, going on on your own, doing your own business. It's just, it's a lot of things that people don't understand about running a business, but, uh, I mean, and I'm sure you're finding that out while you're doing it as well. Like we all, like we all do, but, um, Thank you for joining the 90s podcast. So I have some questions uh, Everybody, that's on everybody's mind right now. Inflation, volatility, are we headed towards a recession? So my first question is this. We talk about equity market volatility, right? We talk about currency market volatility, and we talk about fixed income volatility. You are specializing in the interest rate volatility space. So how does that impact equity market returns? And perhaps, how does that impact investor sentiment to a degree?
1: Well, I think the media gives a lot of attention to the VIX, which Mm -hmm. is a certain specific type of equity volatility. But anytime that there's an options market, there has to be a vol market because volatility goes into pricing options. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing that a lot of investors just don't realize, um, which they probably will eventually, is that any place that they have residential mortgages inside their portfolio, those are actually short options. They're actually short fixed income volatility because U.S. homeowners are long the option to prepay their loan whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Therefore, owners of that financial mortgage are short options to homeowners. And whenever you're short options, you're short vol. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically fixed income ball, not equity ball. And so that's why part of our, our firm was really giving investors a way to access long fixed income volatility, long interest rate volatility, instead of only being short with some of these uh, passive indices.
0: That's interesting because that, I know um, a lot of the stuff's rolling off the Fed's balance sheet right now with the maturities and all of that. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're no longer buying mortgage back, mortgages and things like mortgage-backed securities, quote unquote. Um, I know we're. this is kind of like an aside, but you mentioned mortgages. Uh, how is the Fed... Fed's uh, decision to not reinvest impacting the interest rate volatility sector?
1: Well, QE was very vol dampening. Mm. And so I think it's logical to think that the opposite quantitative tightening um, when the Fed allows mortgages to mature and roll off their balance sheet will be vol increasing. And Mm. so far, so, so far, this has been the case. Um, You know, the caps are really small. I think the thing to keep in mind is that the Fed's It's called the SOMA holdings, which are what the Fed actually went out and bought with the QE purchases or their active purchases. That balance sheet piece of their portfolio is $8.2 trillion. It's (laughs) (laughs) enormous. And the caps just increased in the month of September. But even the doubling of the caps is still relatively um, tiny compared to the Fed's balance sheet. So I do think there's a lot more potential. Volatility coming in the interest rate and fixed income markets. And I think it's a good time for investors to like wake up and smell the coffee and just be aware any place that they own the ag index or core fixed income, about a third of that index is short, vol, short fixed income, vol because of mortgages.
0: So basically, higher interest rates, lower asset pricing, lower values. But you know what comes with that? Higher yields, right? <laughs> Well,
1: it's, it's interesting because the U.S. yield curve is so incredibly inverted that mm-hmm. although the Fed has hiked policy rates and the market believes the Fed's going to hike more, the longer dated bonds are actually paying less yield than shorter dated bonds, which is not a normal environment. So the market is definitely in a kind of abnormal state. And I think the, the other times the Fed has tried to unwind their balance sheet, it hasn't gone very well. And so I think right now it's a really tough time for investors because inflation is super elevated in our day-to-day lives. Um, But interestingly, inflation expectations in the future are not not very expensive. Um, So the market consensus is definitely that the Fed hiking policy rates is going to cool uh, future inflation and that we've reached peak inflation. And I think that's where there is potentially an opportunity for investors to add inflation Uh, exposure to their portfolio because the market is not pricing it. The Fed might have retired that
0: word transitory, but the market is not. Yeah. And you mentioned um, pricing the inflation. I remember previously um, me and a couple of buddies looking at the tips market, the tips market. I mean, you're paying negative one and one and a half percent. You're getting, you're basically paying to buy tips, in January, and now you have a positive yield in tips. And I, I, don't know, I don't know who would have purchased them back in January and when you're having to pay at a, and buying them at a premium, but now, I mean, you're getting a positive yield inside of the tips market. So that probably has something to do with the to tug in the, the pool inside of the markets there, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the market and the pricing of it, the volatility of it has been uh, sensational to watch in my, in my experiences.
1: Um, I mean, and I think the tips market, the the thing people have to keep in mind is that the only way tips get reset are with the consumer price index, right? It's just one index. It's like you wouldn't go out for your clients and buy the S&P or the Dow Jones and say, today I have the US equity market. It's kind of silly to do that for something as big and as hard to measure as inflation. And so that's what you know, the eyeball ETF takes that core, you know, about 80% of the fund is a passive uh, tips index. And then we add inflation expectations outside of the consumer price index um, to capture because the big problem with CPI by itself is that it's calculated by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and yeah. a third of that index is what they call shelter, and it's actually rent. It's owner-occupied rent. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the only way to think about inflation, um, but and it's also tips are pretty new. Um, the U.S. Treasury, tips are treasuries or Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. That's what the acronym means. Yeah. They're just yeah. treasury bonds that reset with CPI, but- the tips market only started in the late 90s so i think a lot of people just need to like be aware that tips are bonds they have duration exposure all even even short duration tips still have duration exposure in fact all short duration it's just a question of how long you are it's, yeah. uh, it's always like a not real name like it should it's shorter maturities but it's still long duration
0: yeah yeah so, i know um looking at treasury direct and this is not a uh, uh, in, in any way, shape, or form, a recommendation to go to Treasury Direct. But when you go to Treasury Direct, look at the tips. They're talking about five-year durations. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 definitely something that needs to be understood. I'm I honestly, I've been in the business for a long time, and like look, seen it negative return, uh, negative yields, and I'm like, I just didn't understand why 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 the t- the, the push pull. But hey, I mean, it finally kind of came out in the wash. I guess so. But yeah, great, great explanation. And again, you guys are listening to Kevin Thompson on the 90s podcast. Uh, thank you, Nancy Davis, for joining us today from Quadratic Capital. Again, Quadratic Capital Management. We appreciate the time today. Nancy Davis, or Nancy, of course, like you like to be called. I thank you for yeah. that. Um, the Fed's going to be hiking rakes. We're all thinking 75 basis points uh, in the next, the next uh, Fed hiking cycle, possibly another one coming up here shortly as well, or after that. Um do you see the interest rate volatility persisting? And in what ways can an average investor basically hedge that out?
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing with average investors. Most most average investors have something that looks like core fixed income. And in any place they have mortgages, which is a third of the ag index, they're short fixed income volatility. So that's why you know at quadratically created two funds, both are long options. And whenever you're long options, you're long vol. So it's Mm -hmm. long interest rate volatility, both IVOL and BNDD. Um, and that can be potentially helpful diversification tool. You know, it's, it's, I think just super important to understand that most people are naturally short fixed income volatility in their portfolio. And so we wanted to give at least choices to not only be short, um, but the the interest rate markets are hard to access. You know, mm-hmm. they are traditionally OTC. They're older markets. And so having a, a single QSA product where you can invest in those markets mm-hmm. is something that we thought was really
0: important to do uh, to give people more choices. Okay. So you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, the VIX, right? <laughs> I mean, I've... I have very rarely been able to hedge out my own personal assets from a volatility perspective using any type of instrument inside of the market because as you know they the 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 instruments inside of the market do not effectively hedge out uh, VIX exposure or or basically they don't with the roll cost the cost of just the actual investment itself you've seen it right i mean they've all just basically blown up most of them had to be had to get a new uh, instrument out there so in regards to the VIX, um, do you surmise there will ever be an efficient product that will go that you can invest in alongside the VIX or the VIX that 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 we we like to coin the phrase?
1: Well, I think the thing to keep in mind with the VIX is it's just um, short dated S and P volatility, so it's mm-hmm. vol in that index, it's equity vol. And I think the reality is, is that that's not necessarily what most people have as their short exposure in their portfolio, like the, the short that people naturally have is actually fixed income ball. So um, that's where, you know, we decided to create these products to give investors access to that. But they are they are bond funds. They're not vol funds. So mm-hmm. I think that's one one challenge with volatility as an asset class is, you know, always or 99% of the time, future volatility is more expensive than realized volatility because the market doesn't know what's gonna happen in the future, right? That's just normal and logical. I think the thing that's really crazy right now in inflation markets is even though realized inflation is at 40 year highs and like our realized world, like every day we feel it and we can see it in the data with the CPI prints, future inflation expectations, whether you're looking at TIPS, or the five-year, five-year, or the massively inverted yield curve. The market is pricing inflation to fall dramatically in the future, yeah. and so that disconnect between future expectations and realized, which is what's actually happening, is super wide. And I think that presents a potential opportunity for investors.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned it. Um, volatility of the VIX. Um, we saw ranges from the VIX, especially during the pandemic. It got got all all the way up to like seventy. And then remember back there in the financial crisis, they had like 104, it was the massive runs that you saw on that thing. And that was, uh, it, was it was sensational to watch, but uh, mm-hmm. not not fun to be in for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, uh, I think it all, it all depends too, whether you're long volatility or short volatility, like very yeah. simply, if you buy options, you're long volatility and whatever the underlying is, whether it's gold options or um you know interest rate options yeah. or equity options like the vix and if you sell options you're short volatility so i think yeah. it's just very helpful it doesn't matter whether they're calls or puts or what strikes you buy options you're long volume you sell options
0: you're short volatility. Hey, thank you for simplifying that I yeah yeah
1: it's a, <laughs> not that complicated but there's no, yeah there's too much financial jargon i think in our industry like it's you know a lot of you know uh baseball terms, right? Yeah. We standard, <laughs>
0: deviation, standard deviation. We have efficient market. Hypo- yeah, I got you. Yeah. So yeah last question. A lot of terminology. Yeah. So last question to keep it uh, to keep it short. Uh, and thank you again, Nancy, for being yeah. on the podcast. And this is this is phenomenal. The Fed is consistently worried about inflation. We know they're behind the curve. We saw their inflation expectation years ago. That was much, much too low, way below market expectations. And you and I, I think I've, I've listened to a couple of your, uh, of your uh, point of views before. I read some, some articles from you. You talked about stagflation, which I wholeheartedly agree as well. What is your opinion on inflation, and do you foresee the Fed being too aggressive?
1: Well, I feel like the Fed, you know, keeps doing, you know, we we they were completely wrong before, right? Um at the last not this recent Jackson Hole, but the one before they were like inflation's transitory, the labor market slack's going to ease, the supply chain disruptions are going to ease, and none of that stuff happened. Yeah. And then, you know, just think about it in Going into the June 2021 meeting, mm-hmm. the Fed prior to that meeting, they were not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. Remember yeah. that line. Yeah. And so now we've had one of the most aggressive hiking cycles, you know, really since the 80s, mm-hmm. um, with uh, with all these 75 basis point hikes. And I think the thing to keep in mind is that we have 137 basis points of additional hikes priced in just this year. So before the end of 2022, so the market has already priced in those hikes, mm-hmm. and so I think it's 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 really a question of whether the Fed hiking policy rates is going to do anything to fix the supply side issues or the labor market. I think the thing that freaks me out a little bit is that some, you know, some of the solutions that different, uh, you know, states are having to inflation is now they're sending people money as inflation relief, which is really well meaning. But you kind of, I'm like, oh my gosh, that might potentially make the problem worse. even worse. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just super important that people are, inflation is not a trade, in my opinion. Like inflation, we live in a real world. We all have, whether you're in finance or you're a baseball player, or if you're you know, a cocktail waitress, like it doesn't matter what you do. We all have cost of living expenses. And the closer you get to retirement, you tend to have more fixed income in your portfolio And also, um, you're not going to benefit from wage inflation if you're not in the labor market. So I think for me, inflation is not a trade. It's part of an asset allocation. And as you get closer to retirement, in my opinion, you should have even more inflation protection in your portfolio. And a lot of people look at what happened in the 70s and they're using, you know, I call it your grandmother's inflation, whether it's commodities or equities to get inflation Because the the tips market is new, the interest rate markets are new, they they Mm -hmm. didn't exist back then, the US Treasury only created the inflation predicted bond market in the late 90s. So a lot of people don't realize the problem with tips by themselves. And you can't just go by name only, you have to really understand what these strategies do and kind of what the pros and cons are, because all investing involves risk. 100%, 100%.
0: Nancy Davis, thank you for your time. Nancy Davis of Quadratic uh, Capital Management. She is the Portfolio Manager of the Quadratic Interest Rate Volatility and Inflation Hedge ETF, ticker IVOL, and the Quadratic Deflation ETF, ticker BNDD. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your expertise. We appreciate your time. Any last words?
1: I I really appreciate the opportunity to be on. Thank you so much for for having me on as your guest. I I really enjoyed the discussion. I hope it was helpful to your, your audience.
0: I appreciate that as well. And thank you once again. Thank you. Management, thank you again, once again, for that. Great conversation about inflation. Great conversation about volatility because you know we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. And we hope we did that today. So again, Subscribe to the channel, get my book, MLB to CFP, go to the website, www.980sCapitalGroup.com and subscribe to the YouTube station here at 980s Capital Group and listen to our podcast every single week on the 980s Podcast via Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, wherever you listen to your podcast. Stay humble, stay safe. We'll see you next week.